Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Hey guys, Mike Lewis here. Today we have a special topic, social media analytics, and we have really a, a great guest for this today. We have the social media guru, of the Harlem Globetrotters, Brian Penter. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great. I appreciate the uh, guru reference. I don't know if I'm, I'm to that level yet, but I'll take it. Well, I think you get to be a guru because, you know, with some basic stats, and you tell me if we're getting this right, that, well, how many, how many social media followings do you guys have? Uh, so our main four channels would be Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and we have uh, over 2 million on those channels with the Globetrotters. So yeah, we've built up a nice little following for ourselves. So I think 2 million followers, you get to be a social media guru. All right, awesome. <laughs> you know, um, the, the other stat we, we've got here is that one, over 1 billion social media impressions for the team. Yeah, so I, I came on with the Globetrotters two and a half years ago, and uh, they really didn't understand social media as much. You know, they had someone doing it, but um, just the content and different things like that. And um, I was at Turner Sports before, and I was able to kind of take a lot of the things that I had learned from working over there, apply it to the Globetrotters, which, you know, is a great brand built for social media and really ramp things up. And yeah, so we've added, um, you know, over a million followers in the last two years and, and yeah, been able to generate a tremendous amount of uh, media exposure from that. So um, it's been a great ride and, and definitely enjoying it. Well, I think that's an interesting way to start it by saying, you know, that the the, the Globetrotters may have been, let's say, novices at social media. Because I think, you know, social media has is kind of the Wild West in, in terms of marketing. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to say, well, this guy really knows how social media works. Because I think social media is something that has really only been with us for, you know, a relatively short time. And it's evolved so quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, where I, I go back to social media... You know, thinking about, let's say, Facebook coming online around, what was it, 2007, 2006, I think, becoming a major player to the to the current stuff. And, and I'm going to embarrass myself as soon as I say the current stuff because I think of Snapchat as kind of the, the new kid on the block. But I guess Snapchat's been out there for a couple of years now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the job I currently have when I was graduating high school I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary. This job didn't exist. Uh, so that just goes to show the industry is constantly changing. I, th I think it's certainly in 2018, it's very prevalent in any 
pretty much any organization is going to have social media, uh, at least a part of it. And, you know, some of the more forward thinking organizations are making it a big part of it, especially in the sports yeah. space when you see what different teams are doing. Um, so it's definitely evolving and becoming more mainstream. But it is, like you said, kind of the Wild West. It's still growing. It's still figuring out how do you measure ROI, what's the impact of a social media like, a follower, things like that. But uh, it's definitely an exciting industry to work in. Well, and I, I think that it, it's got to be the, the truth. I mean, I, I, social media to me, and the, I'll, I'll sort of give you more of an academic perspective on it, as, as it's grown, I think of social media as – one of these things, it's kind of like information in general. Information, more information is always going to be better. And so in the case of social media, it's a, it's a connection point. It's a way for the consumers to talk to you directly. And so there's got to be value on that. And so I think I, I agree with you that I think especially any kind of brand that has a lot of passion and a lot of connection to their customers, social media has got to be a critical element of it because, right, this is how this is how your fans get to actually interact with the brand. Absolutely, and uh, especially for a brand like the Harlem Globetrotters, we play in your city once a year, and then we're gone, and we'll be back next year. So how do we stay in touch with our consumers, um, with those people, to keep us top of mind, to engage with them, to talk to them, when we're only in their city once a year versus, you know, a baseball team that has an 162 game season or even an NFL team. So it's crucial to build your brand in the off season through social media, putting out content that they're going to be interested in, engage with, uh, laugh at, um, enjoy. And so social media definitely helps us kind of bridge that gap. I, I like the example of the baseball season where it, it plays out over, you know, the better part of the year and for 162 games. The word that popped in my head as you were saying that it's sort of relationship building. You know, the, the baseball team gets to build that relationship over the course of a series. You get to follow the stories, the ups and downs, where you guys have to, I guess you guys have to tell the story remotely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, we're in, a, you know, take Atlanta. We'll play Atlanta every March. But then, yeah, if you're a Globetrotter fan, you'll come to the game and you go home. And, you know, when are you going to think about the Globetrotters again? Probably when you get an email or something like that that's promoting that we're going to be back on sale but yeah we can definitely be able to bridge that gap through our a, social media a little channels. plug for you guys so you play two dates in atlanta right yeah so it, it's typically um around march but the schedule changes every year so it'll be out around the fall generally so if you have family kids harlemglobetrotters.com well and one at the phillips center and one out in uh oh where is that in duluth, uh, yep. in duluth the yep. uh was it the Infinite Energy Center, something like that? Yeah, so we yeah, we always play up there and then Phillips Serene as well. And we love Atlanta. Draw yeah. some great crowds here and um, it's a great uh, you know, market for family entertainment. So let's talk let's talk about the little bit I mean a little bit of background on this. So the Globetrotters is a brand. Okay. I'm I'm fifty years old. And so to me the Globetrotters are really an iconic brand. And and I would guess that, you know, when you're talking to people my age when they hear the Globetrotters, well, what, what, I mean, what words sort of that pop out of their mouths when they hear about the Globetrotters? Well, Metal Arc Lemon. Yeah, Metal Arc Lemon, Curly Neal, Scooby-Doo, uh, Gilligan's Island, uh, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon show, Harlem Globetrotters popcorn machine. Uh, I mean, yeah, you talk about in the 70s, there wasn't, I don't know, a, a sports brand bigger than the Globetrotters. I mean, that was before uh, the NBA had really started to take off, you know, Really, when Magic and Bird kind of came into the league, that started to change. 
But yeah. yeah, I mean, the Globetrotters were pop culture icons back then. And certainly nowadays, we still have a strong brand and are continuing to kind of build that up and, and hopefully bring it back to those levels. I like, I like that word. It's a truly iconic brand um, where it's, it, it's definitely like a top of mind thing. I think if you went back to the 1970s, you know, name a sports brand, it's probably in the, it, you know, it's probably in the top 10 that's going to resonate with people. You know, it's it's almost unfair to say, you know, sort of, you know, going back into the memory banks, but it's sort of a singular brand as well. So it's definitely something that really connected to people. Now, let me ask you this. And so this is, this is you know, I'm, I'm a child of the 70s, seeing the Globetrotters on ABC's Wild World of Sports. Yeah. How about with this next generation? How do they think of the brand? Well, that's really, you know, one of my challenges is how do we introduce this brand to a new generation of fans that wasn't around for Scooby-Doo, wasn't around for Metal Arclum and Curly Neal. Um, and social media plays a huge part of that and putting out content, uh, showing people that uh, we're funny, we're uh, amazing athletes, we can do incredible trick shots, we set Guinness World Records every single year almost. So yeah, that's a, a huge part of our brand team and, and social media is, you know, we don't currently have a TV show or a cartoon, things like that. We certainly are always pursuing those type of endeavors, but uh, social media is our own owned channel that we can connect with these younger consumers. And, you know, some of our older fans have those memories from the 70s. They light up. I remember the Globetrotters when I was five years old, seeing them and the smile they put on my face and signing my basketball. And, and so, yeah, now our challenge as a company and as a brand is continuing that legacy and introducing it to new fans and making it relevant for 2018. It's an interesting marketing question, sort of this almost this idea, and I don't know if you guys think of it this way, is that you're sort of going for this intergenerational transfer. You know, a, a lot of the brand equity probably resides in, you know, people like me and inside my head. Uh, people older than me resides in their head. And so how do you transfer that? And how much of that can you transfer to this next generation? And actually, you know, it, it, as I said, the next generation, I think you guys are actually trying to tra transfer that to the next generation and the generation after that. Right. Yeah. And certainly we still have, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, consumers are people who had that experience as kids and they now want to bring their kids. So that's that's obviously a strong connection of, I mean, with any sport, I mean, dads who want to bring their, their boys to a baseball game. So we certainly have a lot of that where parents are taking that legacy and wanting to pass it on to their kids and have that same experience. Um, but yeah, it's also up to us as a brand to make sure that we still have a really fun, engaging show. Uh, you know, you've been out to the show and seen it. So, it, you know, it's our job every year to to make sure that we're delivering an awesome in-game experience. And then after the game, making sure we're staying connected with you through digital channels, through social channels, different things like that to make sure that uh, we remain top of mind and, and have people thinking about the Globetrotters. Okay. So tell us, you know, and we've been hit on a lot of it sort of indirectly. So tell us what you actually do as the social media manager for the Globetrotters. How do you approach this business problem? Yeah, so, you know, I basically am in charge of running all of our social channels. Uh, like I said, for us, that would be YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We do have Snapchat. It's not as much a part of our regular day-to-day -day plan. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much, you know, creating content in, in a way that will connect and engage our fans on those channels. 365 days a year putting out things. And you think about the, the type of brands, I don't know about following brands on social media and, and what brands you might follow. You know, I, 
I follow a brand like Red Bull, places that are getting you interested and engaged with the brand. You know, you're not following people because they're putting out sales messaging. You're following them because they're creating an emotional connection with you. They're putting out entertaining content, things that you want to see in your feed. There's limited space in your feed, and that's one thing the platforms are battling with. So for me, it's creating content that people are going to want to be interested in say oh the globe trotters i want to follow them keep up with them figure out when they're coming to my town so that's really kind of how i see my job is a combination of content digital and kind of marrying those two things together yeah i, I get that you know sort of an old adage in marketing is the last thing you want to do is like your marketing show you know people don't want to subscribe to you know sort of an endless display of commercials yeah, and you th I mean, you think about the best brands in the world. Uh, why do buy people buy Nike shoes? Is it because is it because Nike's the highest quality shoe in the world? I mean, maybe some some of that, but it's because they built an incredible brand and they tell that story really well. Where it's it's a lifestyle, it's a way of life of what Nike does, and and you can take say that about any great brand, Coke. You know, they're selling happiness and open up a Coke can. It's the same with the Globetrotters. We want to. Uh, you know, tell people that when you're with the Globetrotters, you're going to have a great time. You're going to get your family together. You're going to laugh. And uh, so that's kind of what we're trying to do. No, I, I, I think that's I think that's a great way to look at it. Uh, one of the things I will preach in the classroom is when I'm teaching uh, customer relationship management is that the brand is the relationship partner. It's sort of the other side of the the other side of the diet or the other side of the friendship. And so how do you, you know, the, the brands you mentioned are, I think, some of the classic ones, right, of Coca-Cola or Nike as as brands that people, you know, they sort of just become part of life. Right. They're they're definitely something. And you know, they, they've got a lot of space inside consumers heads. As you were talking about the different platforms, question popped into my head is how do you think about those different platforms? They strike me as very different kind of thing. Facebook versus Instagram strike me as very different kind of things. Do you think a lot about the differences and what kind of messages work with different types of with well with the different social media outlets? Yeah, absolutely. You have to have a plan specific to each platform. Maybe a few years ago that might have been different where you just have a piece of content and kind of blast it out everywhere. Now you definitely have to think about what type of content works on different platforms and you know, one challenge with with working in social media is the platforms themselves are constantly changing and evolving and you have to adapt to their algorithms. Facebook sent marketers into a panic a couple months ago when they basically decided we're going to put a, a lot more family and friend content in people's feeds versus brand content. No matter how much you like the brand, I'm a huge Falcons fan. I'm not going to see as much Falcons content in my Facebook feed anymore because they Facebook had basically made that decision. So you're constantly having to adapt to the platforms as well. And for example, on Facebook, a lot of brands and, and us aren't putting out as much content on a daily basis as they might used to, where you might be able to post to Facebook 10 times a day and reach a lot of people. Now it's more about kind of quality over quantity, so to speak. And, and yeah, we definitely tailor our content towards each platform. Instagram, we have a much younger audience than we do on Facebook, for example. So the types of content we're going to put out is different. Our Twitter audience is a little bit different from our Facebook and Instagram audience. And, and YouTube is different as well. So you definitely have to have a strategy designed for each platform. And they are all different in, in their own ways. The the one that I'm, I think, most fascinated by, and simply because I think it's the newest one to me, is Instagram. And I had someone describe Instagram for me as, it's where you go to look at pretty things. <laughs> 
and, and so, you know, does some of these things have more like, you know, can we talk specifics? Like, so if you're trying to do something for Instagram with a brand like the Globetrotters, what do you do? You know, talking about Instagram, I, when I visited your classroom and I had asked your students, what's your kind of go-to social media platform? I think 80% of the room was Instagram. So it's certainly kind of the um, younger platform. And Facebook is for moms, right. I think is what the students would it's tell It's not you. cool anymore. Right. I mean, it's kind of lost its cool factor because your mom's on there, your aunt's on there commenting on every single thing that you do. <laughs> so I, I know for, you know, my friends and things like that. But, you know, so for Instagram specifically, we're still very heavy video. Um, we've just seen in our analytics that uh, you know video draws more engagement. People like that from us. They like seeing the trick shots, the dunks, the dancing, the humor, the different funny things. So we'll do a lot of kind of short form video content on Instagram. That tends to be what works best for us, I would say. So is it almost, uh, do, do you evolve to sort of an interesting kind of segmented marketing where on the Instagram or the Snapchat, you're trying to, I don't know, build the brand, make the positive associations, and does Facebook become something more action-oriented? A, a little bit. We do do um, a lot of paid advertising on Facebook. That's one great thing with Facebook's platform is they've built out this um, incredible advertising platform where you can target so specifically. You know, in the last few weeks, they've come under a little bit of fire with all the data and the privacy issues, and that's a whole separate discussion. But but yeah, Instagram, I definitely see as us building the brand, especially for a younger audience. So we've been able to do that. Are you hitting the kids then on the different channels and then the parents on the other ones? A little bit. Uh, you have to be at least 13 technically to use social <laughs> media. I don't know. How I've much, got four kids. I was about to say, I don't know how much that's actually being obeyed. But but yeah, I, I definitely see our Instagram audience as younger. YouTube is huge. For kids, you know, that platform is incredibly important and you can develop kind of more longer form content that a kid will sit down and watch a YouTube video for five minutes. Uh, yeah, Facebook, definitely a little bit older audience, I think, and, and great for the paid advertising, maybe not as great anymore for the organic content as it, as it used to be. So let's, um, let's get into a little bit of specifics. Can you give me an example of a campaign or a post where you feel like you really had a lot of great impact? And you know, follow up to that is, you know, in this world of social media, how do we even define impact? One of the, my favorite things that we've done from a brand side since I've been here is on social media every day you see a different holiday. It's national. It was National Donut Day on Friday. It's National Smile Day. It's you know, <laughs> this, and, and they're the kind of these fun, engaging holidays that people so like to post about. Today and the day we're taping this is actually National Smile Day. It might. Yeah, no, yeah. uh, Smile Day was last week. I'd, I'd have to okay. check uh, Twitter to see what's trending right now. Okay. But uh, so anyhow, so we got to thinking about this from a brand's perspective. We're like, well, you know, what could we do that kind of gets people to celebrate our brand and. We said we're really the originators of the trick shot. What about World Trick Shot Day? And so we actually uh, contacted the people that essentially own and manage the calendar of all these different um, days. I'm sorry, this just got fascinating. Who are the people that own the calendar? Right. It's a group in Montana that had basically, it's called the National Day Calendar. They basically, and there's different ones, but they kind of... Uh, were the first to it and have developed. And you can go on their calendar today and see what it is. So we'd reached out to them and said, hey, we'd love to create this holiday to celebrate trick shots and get people posting them on social media. And we're going to post awesome content from our channel. So the first year was two years ago. 
we went to San Antonio. There's a, a tower there called the Tower of the Americas, and we shot a basketball off it from 600 feet high and, and made it into the hoop with one of our players. And that was kind of our content to be like, hey, it's World Trick Shot Day. Here's what we're doing. We want to see what you got. And we had people all over social media were using the hashtag World Trick Shot Day. Professional teams, NBA teams were posting. Fans were posting. We were doing ticket giveaways for some of the best ones on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so that's an activation that's been pretty cool from the brand side that we've been able to develop and build out over the last couple of years. We did it again last year and saw some great results, and uh, this coming year will be year three. So that was that's kind of been one of my favorite campaigns that we've done from a national level because a lot of our campaigns are obviously set up more locally uh, when we're coming into town. When we're coming into Atlanta, we'll create a lot of content and do things in Atlanta. From a national perspective, the, the World Trick Shot Day has been a fun thing to be a part of. Yeah, that one that strikes me as really kind of an interesting one and you know, kind of creates a question in my head of, defining impact in different ways. And so for World Trick Shot Day, I almost feel like you're talking about like growing the top of the funnel, you know, a lot of awareness. Is that how you guys looked at that one? Yeah. And I I guess that's the complexity for you. You, you know, when you're looking at impact, you're looking at data. How do you get a sense of, you know, what behaviors are you changing? So I I guess World Trick Shot Day, putting the Globetrotters brand in a lot of people's head versus, I don't know, something more action-oriented, getting people to buy tickets on Facebook? Yeah, social media I definitely uh, is more top funnel, like you said, when you people who are familiar with the marketing funnel and the sales funnel, funnel excuse me, it, it's going to be more top-level awareness, introducing people to the brands, getting them to become engaged with the brand beyond that. So we certainly track things like impressions numbers, how many people are, are watching our content, how many eyeballs are we getting on it, how many new followers are we generating? How many new people are now interested in the brands? Do you know how many new followers you got from World Trick Shot Day? Sure, I could go back and tell you, and we can measure specifically. You know, we can see different days where we have a spike in followers, and we can track it exactly to a specific piece of content. So, on that video we put out, we had several million views on that video, and we could absolutely see a spike in our followers that day. Well, any sense of I mean, just not an exact number, but what kind of magnitude you got? I can't specifically remember uh, from that two years ago, but I'll tell you one. Tens of thousands, though, at least? Uh, so I can tell you one from Instagram. Uh, we went to Sorry, Instagram's head. I didn't realize it was going to be a quiz on <laughs> data from years back. I'd have to go pull yeah. one of my old reports, but I can tell you. So this year we did a visit to Instagram's headquarters in Menlo Park, California, which was really cool. And we produced a content a content series for their story, the main Instagram account that has 230-something million followers. So they put this out and tagged us, and we added 25,000 followers in less than 24 hours from, okay. from just that. So that, I think, is our biggest ever individual day spike. But, yeah, we see things like that all the time. We're you know, around World Trick Shot Day, and, and we definitely see it during our tour as well where when we are out there touring – our followers and things grow a lot more than right now when it's more the off season and people aren't engaging with the the show as much. Well, and I think it's this is an interest. I hope this is an interesting conversation to folks because I think I think just about everyone uses social media, but probably far fewer think about analyzing and working with social media data. And so, you mentioned some of these things that you can look at: uh, impressions, followers. Uh, sentiment analysis. Do you do any of that kind of 
work? A little bit. Engagement uh, rate is is one of the most important metrics to me because it's not just, you know, one of the best and worst things about working in social media is you get immediate feedback on your work. So if I put something out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you know, I'll know within 15, 30 minutes whether people thought it was interesting and cared about it and were sharing it or liking it, things like that. And it's the best and worst of both worlds, you know, versus like a TV advertisement. That That's really hard to sometimes measure what that impact is. Whereas social media, I can tell you, we had 50,000 people watch this video. A thousand of them shared it. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely I'm looking a lot at our engagement, not just is it showing up in people's feeds or people actually saying, wow, this was interesting enough to share to my friends, to like it, to comment on it. So that's one thing that's really important to us, probably more than any other metric, is making sure that we are engaging our fans and aren't just shouting into a megaphone at no one. Because it's funny, you'll see brands that have 10 million followers, and then you'll look at their page, and their post will have... Three, we- three retweets. Right? Three retweets, five likes. And it's yeah. like, what's the point? So a lot of people, it's all about, you know, well, we have 20 million followers. Okay, but how many of those followers are actually engaging with you and care about what you're having to say? Well, I think that goes back to where we where we started some of this. It's you you want to have a relationship with these fans, and you want this relationship to that you want an active participant, right? You want them engaged. You want them talking back to you. Absolutely, and and social media is is a huge customer service line as well. Now, I mean, now people expect that if they message you your brand on social media, they expect to get an answer back. And I look at, I look at like the airlines and I'm glad I don't work in airline social media. But uh, so, I mean, we get things in our inbox all the time. Just the other day, we had a family reach out, their house had burned down and their kids, one of his prized possessions was a Harlem Globetrotter basketball. And uh, they were asking if we could replace it. And of course, we sent them out, you know, a basketball and a jersey and things like that and, and changed the kid's day. So we get things in our inbox that are interesting all the time. And, uh, you know, that's one of my job functions is, is responding to those fans, keeping them engaged. Luckily, ours isn't to a volume where I can't control it myself. Um, but certainly, um, it's important to be able to talk to your customers and uh, taking it next level, even nowadays, you're seeing chat bots and messenger bots become more important. And so it's it's definitely a, a huge part of it. Well, organizationally, because I think this is an interesting time for marketers. You, you mentioned the idea that, you know, you do a TV ad and in some ways you, you run the TV ad. It goes out there into space and we really don't know what happens. And how many people, you know, were going to the bathroom, grabbing a beer, right. you know, what I, I mean, so it is very hard to track sometimes. And, and you think about, you know, some of these bigger brands, right, with, a, you know, Coca-Cola or a Nike, some of the earlier examples where the advertising is continuous. How do you ever figure out which ad actually worked, right? And, you know, and there's some things that people can do, but it's a it's really a, a tough thing to get your, your head around. So something that I wonder about, is do you find yourself almost more under the gun from an organizational perspective? Because you're the marketing guy that uh, the higher ups they can you know they can evaluate you on a minute by minute basis. <laughs> yeah, Brian, why why did we lose twenty followers in the last fifteen minutes? So yeah, it 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 is kind of uh, you know a double edged sword. It's great that we have this tremendous amount of data and analytics, but it also yeah everyone can see it and say. Brian, how many uh, you know website visits did our 
you know, this generate or how much more interests or impressions or video views did this thing get? And you can immediately see what's working, what's not working. So it is a challenge and it is a great thing about digital is that we have all this data, but it also means now you have to be able to track it. You have to be able to show the ROI of the things you're doing. Whereas, you know, maybe 25 years ago, you know, marketers, it, it was, you know, like you said, advertising campaigns and these things that were um, a lot harder to maybe answer for. I think it, it's an old adage. Folks in advertising used to say, you know, I know I'm wasting half my money, half my advertising budget. I just don't know which half. Yeah. Right. I don't know what you're going to say on this one because I think this is, uh, you know, when you mentioned doing an ROI on social media, this is tough stuff. How do you guys go about trying to figure out the bottom line impact of social media? It's essential to be able to connect all these things to the broader business objectives, like you said. So certainly we can show um, with impressions, for example, we can show the number of impressions we're generating. You know, PR measures that a lot with the equivalent amount of money you would have to spend on a TV advertisement for that amount of time, things like that. So we're kind of doing the same thing with our impressions. And, you know, obviously when you're adding followers, that's more people that you can now talk to, that you can sell to, that you can kind of take from social media. Like I said, social media is at the top of the funnel. So now we can take them further down the funnel to email, to ticket campaigns, various things like that. And for us as well, you know, now we can generate new revenue because we have over 2 million followers on our channels. Now our sponsorship team has taken that out and they're selling that as a part of their sponsorship packages to uh, potential sponsors is not only can you get uh, people seeing you at a Globetrotter game, you can get them on the Globetrotter social media channels, which is getting, you know, millions of views every week. So. Um, that's a big part of, of proving the ROI is showing that there's uh, new revenue opportunities. Uh, the customer feedback is vastly important um, for us to be able to show that, I mean, a lot of business insights can come from things that we see on social media and reviews and different things like that. So there's a whole lot that goes into it, but uh, it's definitely always important to, and it still is a challenge to prove, you know, what is the value of a Facebook fan, you know, things like that but um, it's becoming more advanced where we can tie that to the broader business objectives. I appreciate that answer, especially as someone that you know works in the, as a classroom, as a professor, because it really does highlight the complexity, but also kind of how this becomes such an interesting thing. So when you talk about customer feedback, I go, well, you know what, this is the greatest kind of market research you can actually ever conduct, right? You, you guys are located here in suburban Atlanta. Your fans are all over, but guess what? They can talk directly to you. Well, and we can even see show specific things that, uh, you know, in London, if we saw that certain issues kept popping up, we can call the venue in London and say, hey, what was going on here? Why were some of our fans uh, not as happy with that this show experience? So, yeah, the amount of the amount of feedback and data and things like that that you can generate digitally nowadays is massive. And like you said, it takes away from you don't have to do all sorts of market surveys and things as much. We still do some of that, but... But yeah, you can get that immediate feedback from people. Well, and it's interesting, right? Because the feedback you get on social media, I mean, you think about you you bring people into a focus group. It's a staged environment, right? You get people to sit down with paper and pencil, filling out a survey. It's kind of staged. You're, you're changing the world. Social media, one of the, I think the real benefits is, I'm guessing they tell you exactly what they're feeling. Yeah. And, right. you know, like I said, I'm very grateful that I, I manage a brand like the Harlem Globetrotters because 99% <laughs> of our feedback 
is very positive. I had a great experience at the show. I love the Globetrotters. My family had so much fun. People tagging photos on Instagram. Uh, whereas there's certainly some other brands I can think of that probably wouldn't be as fun to be the social media manager for. <laughs> you might need a thicker skin. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah the, the other one, and, and I won't spend too much time on it, but one of the things that I think as we've been doing the podcast and talking about the marketing side of analytics is the issue of impressions, right? And that, you know, when we talk about sponsorships for a lot of fans, you know, maybe the most dramatic sponsorship they see in the realm of sports, and this is not a Globetrotter thing, but, you know, it's like it's, Merce- it's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It is, you know, SunTrust Park here locally in Atlanta. And so much of that is based on, you know, the amount of times people see the brand. When take, taking photos for Instagram, and how many people are taking photos in front of the Mercedes-Benz logo when they go to the Georgia Dome? We were just there last week for the uh, Kenny Chesney concert, and everyone was stopping in front of that Mercedes-Benz mm-hmm. logo. So yeah, the the amount of um, ability that sponsorship teams in the sports space can quantify the amount of impressions different brands are getting. I don't know what it is for Mercedes-Benz. I'm sure it's a, a massive number when you quantify it. And certainly the TV and the traditional aspects of it as well. But uh, yeah, social media has become a huge part of sponsorship packages in the sports space. The other one that I thought was interesting in, in terms of what you said is that it's almost that social media provides you guys with a database, a database where you can address or you can contact customers. And that's always been an incredibly valuable marketing asset. You know, oh, you've got a mailing list of essentially, you know, what, what we said, 2 million followers. Mm-hmm. You've got a mailing list of two million followers. Yeah, yeah, and we've we've reached and connected with a lot of some of our strongest fans through social media. Uh, there was a woman who had been to twenty seven different Globetrotter games in the last like ten years, like super super fan. And we had her into the office in Atlanta, and so it, it's different things like that where you can connect with these people, um, especially with our brand. I mean, we'll get stories of one of the cooler ones I'll, I'll give you since I've been here is. We had a mom in Nebraska send me a video clip of her son, who's a special needs kid, making a half-court shot at his high school's basketball game during halftime. And it was a great clip, and I shared out the clip, and I said, hey, you know, we'd love to meet you when we're in Nebraska. So when we visited Omaha, one of our players drove out to his high school and connected with the kid, and we shot some video content, had him duplicate the half-court shot, and we got the clip all over the place. It was on news channels, websites, uh, other social media channels were sharing it. So it's different things like that that you really never know what can come through that inbox and see different ways of connecting and bringing people together. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. As you, as you tell some of the stories and some of the stuff that's really been effective for you guys, I can see, I, I can see how you could almost make the case that you might have one of the best social media jobs out there. You get to do stuff that's almost entirely positive. <laughs> Right. I, I would def- I definitely am thankful that I'm here and, and that the brand has such a positive reputation and, and what our brand stands for and being ambassadors of goodwill. Another quick example I'll share is we had a mom message us saying that her son right here in Atlanta was constantly getting bullied at school. Um, and so to stand up to them, he started wearing his Globetrotter jersey to school and he felt like the jersey kind of gave him some powers and so uh, when we were in Atlanta for our PR visits, sure enough, we uh, sent a player over to the school and did one of our anti-bullying seminars. And so, you know, the impact we have, I mean, we get so many messages just from people of, you know, I've, I was having, you know, I've been having a tough time, but I brought my family to the Globetrotter game and it just brought me back and I had such a good time or, 
you know, kids who are having a hard time being bullied, kids who are battling diseases, cancer. I mean, we do a lot of hospital visits, things like that. So uh, I definitely feel blessed and fortunate that, uh, you know, I work for a brand that, that represents what it represents and, and that the Harlem Globetrotters are almost universally loved. So it's hard not to love them, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is still a relatively new space in terms of marketing, though. It's become, it's become sort of, I don't know, in a lot of ways, the hot and maybe even the biggest space when we're talking about digital marketing. You have any thoughts on where this is all going? You know, what's funny to me is social media networks are trying to become more like television and television's trying to become more like social media a little bit. And so I, I'm seeing things becoming more and more blended as just media. There's not going to be necessarily digital, social, traditional, PR, uh, siloed in different spaces. I think they're all going to come together. I mean, you talk about the sports space and you look at things like Twitter and Amazon bidding on NFL games mm -hmm. rights. And you look at, you know, ESPN obviously struggling with the subscriber losses. So they're building out over the top platforms and apps and different things to try to get people more engaged with their brands. And so I think you're going to continue to kind of see the lines blurred of what social media is, what digital media is, and that it's basically just all going to be platforms to connect with your consumers, um, whether that's your website or social media, Facebook page, whatever. So I think those lines are going to continue to kind of merge more together. I think at companies, um, you're certainly not seeing social media siloed as much as it might have used to be. I mean, those people, you know, you have a seat at the table and everything. I mean, that was one of the things I like about my job is social media touches almost every aspect of the business. And a lot of the decisions we make, um, I'm in the room, you know, giving my two cents on how this impacts the social space. And so um, I think you're going to continue to see all of those things blend together. And it's, it's only going to grow and become more important to, like you said, manage those customer relationships through those various channels. Yeah, you know, the one that strikes me as kind of interesting, and again, this, this is probably largely a function of being parent is seeing the you know the media consumption habits of younger kids up close and it's got to be something where i mean in a way you guys probably are running your own tv network right in terms of youtube right and so the question is how do you how do you do that i mean how much of that do you guys want to run on your own you mentioned the nfl doing deals with amazon you know, it used to be the only game in town was ABC, NBC, CBS, and then some of the cable channels came online. Now we've got Netflix, et cetera. I, I agree with you. This thing seems to all be coming into sort of one giant, one giant sort of blob of content distribution. Right, and it allows you to own your own brand and your own message. Um, I mean, a lot of people, you, you even go back to the presidential election, one of the big things Trump would say is, he doesn't have to go to ABC or a news network. He's blasting it out on Twitter for better or for worse. But yeah, so you have the opportunity as a brand or as an individual, in his case, to control your own message and to talk to people in the way that you want to talk to them. We don't have to get time on ABC or, or and certainly we, we still want to do that. But yeah, being able to control your own channels, have your own YouTube network and feed content into that. Uh, it's a tremendous asset for, for any brand. I guess when a, a challenge then becomes is how do you generate enough content to make your media hub worthwhile? Right. Right, to keep it on folks' radar. Yeah, and it's such a crowded space nowadays. I mean, everybody has social media pages. Everybody's producing videos, and it's made it so much more competitive. And one of the reasons these algorithms have changed is 
you know, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube at a certain point have said, there's, there's too much of this. We need to filter it, uh, and only have the best stuff. So now it's definitely much more of a quality than quantity approach nowadays. than it probably was five years ago. So that's really important to us is always thinking about what can we produce that's, that's worthwhile watching, you know, worth that a kid is going to want to engage with that somebody is going to want to share. And that ties back to kind of what we started with of, how do you measure it? What's the impact? And so, you know, we're always thinking about things like that. But it does make it challenging and exciting in that every day uh, sometimes can be different um, when the industry itself is is always changing. Yeah, you know, like I said, this kind of social media analytics is one of my one of my favorite topics these days because it's something that's evolving so quickly, and there's so much potential data to take a look at. You're managing so many different accounts that I'm going to ask you to, you know, so if the folks want to follow your good work, where should, where where can they check you out? Well, I would definitely have everyone uh, follow our Harlem Globetrotters channels. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. It's pretty much Harlem Globetrotters everywhere. Twitter, we're Globies, a little bit shorter. And then for myself personally, uh, it's just Brian Penner on Twitter. I don't tweet as much from my personal account because I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm yeah. constantly on it for work. So when I get home, I'm not necessarily getting on uh, my own Twitter. But uh, I do keep up with a lot of uh, people in the space. And, and that's one of the great things about social media is it connects people. It brings people together. Um, I've formed a lot of relationships with people through Twitter. Um, so that's one of the cool things about it. So yeah, if anyone definitely would love to uh, have you follow the Globetrotters, come check us out, especially if you have kids when we're in your city. Like I said, you can go to harlemglobetrotters.com and appreciate you guys having me on today. Thanks so much, Brian. Really appreciate it.